Welcome to a podcast from Hope Church Glasgow. For more about us, check out hopechurchglasgow.org. Hello and welcome again to the podcast. Um, I'm joined these, and this is this is actually I think number five in the Kingdom series. I think we had, uh, well, I know we did last week. We talked more about on this podcast about apostles, but we're we're connecting back into this series on the Kingdom of God. And this is session five, and I'm going to talk about being all in for the kingdom or the demands of the kingdom. And I believe this is absolutely core to genuine Christianity, to apostolic Christianity. Um, When I first became a Christian, this verse was kind of drilled into us, and it became became a a guiding principle of my life and, and then as we got married, Teresa and our life. And it's this, it's Matthew 6, and I'm reading 31 to 33. It says, Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the, the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. Yeah, good so far. But seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you and we, we took that challenge seriously and, and have sought to uh, imperfectly at times make that the way we do our priorities and i remember just as a young christian uh, before we were married i i'm looking for a job i'd finished i was finishing my degree and, and i actually had a job offer from a, a place that i'd done my uh, my industry year in but something wouldn't settle because uh, back then I wanted to be in a church that was moving in spiritual gifts, that was charismatic, and there weren't that many around, and there weren't any around that I knew near this uh, place where I could get a job. So I, I've had a six-month painful journey of trying to applying for many, many jobs, uh, and lots of them in those days are graduate jobs. They just wanted you to move wherever they wanted you to go, and I didn't want to do that. I knew of a church, I knew where I needed to be, uh, up in the northwest of England that was like the kind of church I needed to be in. Uh, And so I went through this agonizing process of not getting any other jobs other than this one that wasn't in the right place. Uh, And I struggled and struggled. And in the end, um, I actually thought, you know what, I'm just going to move. I'm going to move to this place. I, I remember my dad was stressed about it, like you put all this time and energy into getting a decent degree and now you're not taking the best job offer and all this thing was going on, pressure on a young a young guy. Um, and, and so anyway, I, he graciously said, you know, go for it. So I moved all my stuff up to Chester, it was. And the day after I moved all my stuff into my mate's house and took up residence, I actually got offered the best paid job I'd applied for in the previous six months. To me, I was seeking first the kingdom, and he was adding back to me the things that I needed. Um, a bit a bit later, now married, uh, Teresa and I managed to buy this amazing detached house. It, it, even getting it was amazing that we could afford it. We'd now got four little kids. It gave us four bedrooms, a brilliant garden, and uh, it was just in a village setting. We loved it. And then God called us to move and uh, and give it all up, and so so we did, and uh, we moved to a house that wasn't ideal. It kind of did for a while, but then then He opened up the opportunity 
uh, in this new location for another dream house. And it was amazing. And I've told the story elsewhere of how we got it. There was like 10 hurdles and all of them were answered. And we ended up this incredible house. And we had a great plan for our future. It was going to kind of be a part of our pension and great for our kids and on and on and on. And then God did a whole number of things and we called us to move to Scotland. So that was another house gone. Now we have an incredible house. <laughs> Having given up a couple of dream ones along the way. Um, so that and lots of other ways. Though These are just superficial examples really seek first the kingdom and his righteousness uh, what i want to do as we as we is to sort of focus on this to try and dig into this i want to let the scriptures just speak to us for a minute because this is profoundly challenging and we need the challenge i need the challenge i suspect you listening those of you listening right now to me you're going to need this challenge even if you don't feel you do so i'm going to read some scriptures and let them do their work, and then we'll, we'll, we'll talk about them afterwards. So here we go. Luke 9, uh, verse 23, And he said to all, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him the Son of Man will be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. But I tell you, but I tell you truly, there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. And further, further on in Luke 9, verse 57, as they were going along the road, someone said, I'll follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Another one said, follow me. To another one he said, follow me. But he said, this man said, Lord, let me first go bury my father. And Jesus, this is my insertion here, kindly, graciously said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. As for you, go proclaim the kingdom of God. Gosh, no marks for pastoral sensitivity there. Verse 61, yet another yet another said, I'll follow you, Lord. Let me first say farewell to those at my home. Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plough and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Ouch. Sorry, that's not in the text either. Matthew 7, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Oh, and this is what we're, our subject is about the kingdom. How do we enter? But it says, but the one who does the will of my Father, who is in heaven, he's the one who enters. Matthew 19, Jesus said to his disciples, verse 23, Truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 13, 44, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. Luke 18, 29, he said to them, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times more in this time and in the age to come eternal life. Um, what we see here in many different scriptures is a huge challenge of the kingdom and it's portrayed as a great possession something to be 
loved and enthusiastically pursued at the expense of all other things. It is the greatest thing to possess and, and it is beautiful and of immense value. So to possess the kingdom is our goal and Jesus is telling us that has to be our goal, not and possessing the kingdom, not possessing financial security, not possessing our dream house, not possessing our career, not possessing great family relationships. We've always got to be willing to trade these possessions for the kingdom call. Jesus challenges us to give up these precious things in order to possess the kingdom. We, 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 are, we are called to this position and this posture of sacrifice. Everything we have, everything we, we own has to be on this altar of sacrifice. And that just reminds us that that was his life. His whole life was on the altar and he, he paid that ultimate cost at the cross. It's cross the, the cross is and sacrifice is at the heart of what Jesus is and the kingdom. Take a breath. So it's the greatest possession, the kingdom. It's also the greatest priority or the greatest pursuit. So he's not just saying put your career on the altar, give it up if necessary. Put your house, put your money. Is challenging our priorities, is challenging our passions, is challenging what we give our, our, ourselves to pursue. The kingdom is meant to be the greatest pursuit and consumer of our time, money, and energy. Seek it first. The kingdom is our primary call. He is Lord. His will is to be done first, not our will be done, your will be done. So the point isn't that money and careers, etc., aren't of value. They're just not the greatest value and they don't have the greatest pull or call or priority on our attention or our passion. Um, you have to count this cost because money, family, dead relatives, funerals, places to, places to live can't trump the call of Jesus and his kingdom. Ooh. So how do we how do we pursue this? Uh, just some thoughts, maybe to help us remember that Jesus, uh, when we talked about defining the kingdom, remember we talked about how it's the unfettered will of God being done. It's the unhindered work of the Spirit happening. It it's also the undiluted or the full representation and display of the heart of the Father. Jesus is living and speaking the heart of the father he's exactly representing the father and he's saying only what he hears the father saying and sometimes as we've heard the father heart message some of us we've heard of his care for us we've heard of his heart for us we've heard of his compassion and his tenderness and his goodness and all that is true but to enjoy the riches of his kingdom he's asking something of us the demands of the kingdom also reflect the heart of the Father just as much as the blessings of the kingdom. In fact, the demands of the kingdom are part of the blessings of the kingdom. We just need to see it that way. And uh, his, his willingness to challenge us, to offend us, are actually qualities of a good father. He doesn't hold back 
from telling us the truth. He doesn't hold back from saying things that are difficult to comprehend, as we see in John 6, where he talks about eating his flesh and drinking his blood, and we'll, we'll probably reference that again in a moment. He's basically demanding something. Yeah, and I'm using that word. He's demanding that to be a kingdom person, a true follower of Jesus, no other interest, no other need, no other desire can trump his interests and our desire for following him. And this represents the heart of the Father. It's like he's saying, put my interests first and then I'll look after your interests. Well, that's not like what he's saying. That is what he's saying. You grasp my dream, you grasp my vision, you grasp my passions, you grasp my interests and pursue them and value them and then I will look after your stuff. And, and I think one reason some of us aren't getting the things we're expecting from God, because he's good, is because we haven't first sought the kingdom. We've not prioritized his stuff. We've got our things out of order. Uh, and we're looking for things to be added to our, our lives before we've prioritized his kingdom. And I think m modern Christianity, and maybe Christianity of all times, struggled with some of this. And particularly what feels particularly current excuse me is this this thing about comfort and looking after myself and protecting my boundaries and making sure i don't get too tired and i'm concerned that i don't burn out and getting enough me time and it subtly starts to become all about me and not about him and his kingdom uh, but the kingdom is a priority and it asks Asks all of, for all of us, and then promises restoration in return. So I just want to break this down a little bit. I think a reason some of us are so tired all the time is because we're too busy looking after ourselves and our own interests, and we're so focused on that and anxious that we may overdo it, is that God means God can't pour fresh energy into us that we need. Let me give you a scripture that has really helped my life over the years. Colossians 1.28, Paul says, We proclaim him, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. And this is, he says this, For this I toil, struggling, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. We can know his energy powerfully working within us. I know as I, as I get older, I have to ask myself this question, am I looking after myself properly but also am i putting it out there and trusting him that he's going to put in me what i need because i've put it out there that's my first port of call is he's going to keep powerfully working within me as i energetically pursue his interests some of us get so afraid of overdoing it that we aren't doing it enough or we're underdoing it um I know times in my life where I've definitely overdone it. I've given too much. I've worked too much. But even then, Heavenly Father is faithful. I've been restored, helped, corrected, looked after, provided for. Can't go wrong, really. The second element to this section um, of how it's dangerous if we start looking after our own stuff, because remember one of the verses we read said that if you seek your own life you're gonna lose it um and, and we don't want to go there and the second thing element to this is is that 
I think some of us have yet to receive the material blessings we expect from a good father because we haven't learned to seek first his interest by sacrificially giving materially to him. Giving up a house, sacrificially giving money, that kind of thing is intrinsic in this process of receiving. I think one of the reasons that, that we are enjoying our home so much is to do with what we gave up in the past. Um, and, and I'm not the only one. I'm not trying to make out that we're a wonderful kingdom people, but I'm just trying to give you some handles for this teaching for your own life. But if you're struggling to, you think, God, you should be blessing me financially. Well, how about, how are you doing with, with sacrificial giving? How are you doing with giving? How are you doing with putting your stuff on the altar for Jesus, your material stuff? And, and a third section here, a reason some aren't seeing the breakthrough in prayer and miracle for others they thought they should be getting by now. It, it, I think some this isn't an only reason, but sometimes this is, it's because they're looking for God to be all in for them and with them, and yet they're only part in with him. And, and, and one of the things I've discovered over and over is it takes surrender to move in breakthrough. It takes, um, if you like, remaking or reinstating Jesus as the king, uh, him as the priority, surrendering emotions, surrendering reputation to him. Because uh, moving in power, moving in the supernatural, actually is very risky and can make you look stupid. If not looking stupid is a high priority for me, then uh, I may not see much happen. And remember, these things are hard to deal with, but this is the heart of the Father for us. And so this thing that's also current in our culture is about not being offended. Oh my goodness, isn't this? we're not supposed to offend people. And we really don't want to be offended, but the trouble with that is we're never going to hear the truth. If you can, if you if the if you see yourself perfectly exactly, and you see him perfectly, and and then probably you will never be offended because you always already have perfect perception and perfect understanding so you don't need anything that's going to challenge your understanding or your perceptions but the truth is none of us do and so we need truth and jesus said it's the truth that sets us free that means lies bind us up and truth comes to us in places where we are either confused misled deceived or don't understand and this challenges us and that can offend us it can even cause us pain, but that's a good thing. And I think culturally somehow we've got to get over this thing that pain is, any kind of pain is a bad thing. Pain caused by truth is a good thing and it can bring you into great freedom if you let the truth that comes to you burn off the dross of you or yours or my wrong opinions, wrong understandings. Yeah, getting that burned off is painful, but oh my goodness, it's so good when you come through the other side. Let's not put energy into cooling down the truth, taking the edge off the truth. Some of these verses I'm reading are deeply challenging. Let's not massage them to make them less challenging because let's not try and cool them down so they don't sting anymore. Otherwise, we are going to become impervious to the truth. Uh, you know what? 
Let's go for being offended and being transformed in our offense. Jesus definitely did that. He, and remember, he's again, he's showing the heart of the Father. I've come back over and over to John 6 because I think it's so crazy what he did. Jesus says to them that they, they, they have got to drink his blood and eat his flesh. And he doesn't explain it. He doesn't say, well, I'm really talking about communion, which is to come. He doesn't give any, any of that. And this is, to, this is so he proposes cannibalism to people who didn't even drink the blood of animals, let alone humans. I mean, this is just outrageous. And of course, most left him and because they were offended. But there was a truth in there. And if we hung around long enough, as disciples did, there was a truth to be embraced and to be seen. So it's good if a teaching or a preacher challenges or upsets you. Ask the question why. It's good to have friends that will challenge you and maybe upset you with truth because it shakes off us. These, these these lies and sometimes the compromise and the complacency that too easily sets in and clings to us. I need it. You need it. We need it. Let's get offended by God. Let his truth offend us and let us not water it down and, and let it lose its effect. I hope this is one of the most offensive messages you've ever heard in a good way. Um, so here's some things we can do to... Um, check out a move in greater surrender to the kingdom of God. Um, that's some like little checkpoints uh, for yourself. Number one, have you ever given up something major for the kingdom? A relationship, a career, a dream house, a car, a location, a family member. I don't mean cutting them off for the sake of it. I just mean, you know, moved away from family for a kingdom purpose rather than stayed in the warm em embrace of, their, of them and them being handy and local. He will touch something of that nature in your life more than once because he wants to see this worked out in actuality and practicality in your life. And he doesn't actually just want you to have one moment that you refer to with, you know, where you kind of praise yourself 20 years later, how, look at what I gave up for the kingdom. He does these things to make this a dimension of our lives continuously so that he establishes the priority of the kingdom in our lives. But you, you, you need to look for it. And maybe he's doing it right now. Maybe he's touching a house, a car, a financial decision, a, a career in your life right now and asking you to give it up for him. Go for it. We should all have examples of that in our recent walk with the Lord and not just have... It's good to have ancient stones, as it were, ancient moments that that, that, that set this direction in our life. But what's what currently is he touching? Second, and, and, and do you have something in your history? Because if not, listen up. There's going to be one. He's looking for something from you. Number two, are you and I dethroning self? Are we dethroning the priority of getting our needs met first? Are we dethroning the priority of me time first? Are we dethroning that self-centeredness and enthroning the pursuing of his interests, his presence um, on a daily basis? Check in on that one. And thirdly, 
have you and do you and I put our reputation on the line on a regular basis? This is also in the scriptures we read. Let's not deny Jesus before men. Let's make a point of letting them know that we follow him, that he is good, that we offer prayer, that we are we are there ready to to put our reputation on the line for him. So let's just bring ourselves to him afresh. I'm just going to pray. I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit would do such a cleansing work, such a clear work for us, and that we'd be in a place ready to give him his interest, his kingdom, full priority and joyfully embrace it to the point of being willing to sacrifice all other things. Father God, thank you for the beauty of your kingdom of your will, of your presence, of your activity on the earth, of what heaven is like and how much you want to bring it here. And I pray for each one listening to this that we would be all in for that kingdom. There's no possession, there's no passion, there's no relationship, there's no career, there's no passion of our heart and direction of our heart that isn't surrendered to you and that you can put a call on. And maybe you're putting a call on it right now and I pray for willingness and heart surrender in people listening to this to give things up so they can go hard after you and your plan for their life and i know god i just want to make this declaration if you do that you will see him work for you you will get houses you will get provision you will get your career given back you will get he will give it rather than you taking it if you lose your life for his sake you're going to find it Thanks so much for listening. And, uh, Thank you for listening. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, or search Hope Church Glasgow on your favourite podcast player.